Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Julio Anta. Julio is a comic book writer based in New York City. His writing has been featured in the Eisner Award-winning magazine Panel X Panel. In addition to writing, he also runs The Native Sound, a DIY record label. Julio, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. We're excited to have you as well. My first question, um, I happen to know that you're a listener, so you know the first question is always, where are you in the world right now? But I understand right now the answer to that question is almost always going to be at home. So where's home for you? So I'm in New York City. I am specifically in the basement of my building right now since I can't really go anywhere right now to record this. So, you know, practicing some social distancing in uh, the basement right now. Before we uh, get into process, I always like to start with origin stories. So tell me, especially being a comic book writer, what is your origin story? How did you decide you wanted to be a comic book writer? And what was your trajectory up until this point in your career? Sure. So uh, I'm in New York now, but I'm originally from Miami, Florida. My uh, father's side is Cuban and my mother's side is Colombian. And they both kind of had their, uh, their families both came through New York before going to Miami. Um, so it kind of felt like a, a good place to uh, move to when I was ready to uh, move out of Miami. And uh, up until the last few years, I was running um, my record label, which you mentioned, The Native Sound. And after a while of just focusing on ways to promote other people's creativity, I kind of wanted to dive into my own creativity. And for me, that was writing, and specifically at this point, writing comics. Um, it's been the way that I've uh, channeled what, what I want to say and, um, you know, channel what I feel like we're going through at this, uh, at this place in history right now. That's pretty much how I got to, uh, to start writing. And how would you describe the types of works that you work on? Because I know you work on short stories in comic form. You also write, I believe, long-form comics as well. Tell us about those types of works and what you are predominantly focused on. And So at this point, uh, most of the comics that I have available are short comics, like you mentioned. But I also have longer-form works with publishers uh, that has not been announced yet. But most of my writing tends to center around um, Latinx identity and the kinds of things that I think about on a daily basis. Um, and a lot of that has to do with politics and the politics of immigration and our lives in this country. So those, those tend to be the main themes of my work uh, thus far and in my future projects as well. Moving on to the process side, which I really want to get into, we've never talked to someone who writes uh, short stories in comic form, so I would love for that to be the theme. Are you cool with schooling us on uh, short stories in comic form? Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. So first off, tell us what short stories in comic form means specifically, because I know most people who are either comic book fans or new to comic books 
probably don't know or are not aware of the shorter form version of those. So can you walk us through what they are and is there a, a standard for them? Are there a certain number of pages that define short form as opposed to long form? Sure. So to answer your, your last question, there's no, uh, you know, there's, there's no specific rules or, um, or specifications with what qualifies for a short comic. You know, the word that people use a lot and that I like to use too is mini comics. And a lot of it comes out of the DIY world and printing out, you know, little zines and selling them at uh, fests and at comic cons. But for me, my short stories have all been uh, 10 pages or less. And they've all been a way for me to, as a new comic book writer uh, at the time, to hone my skills and put something out into the world that people can read for free and can showcase kind of what you can do as a writer um, without having to invest the money and the time of a 20 or 22 page single issue, which is the predominant form in the comic book industry when you're talking about single issues. And what's the market for these? What's the goal when you set out to write a shorter form comic? When you write a longer form comic, sometimes you want to get that picked up by a big publisher. For shorter form, what are the platforms? What are the methods in which you can get that out into the world? You know, the goal for me is mostly just to, like I said earlier, showcase kind of what I can do with this, uh, with this format. Um, I think it's a really good place for new writers to start because it's not, you know, a lot of people start writing and they kind of have in their minds this grand idea for their opus project, you know, their 300-page novel or graphic novel. And really, I don't think that that's, uh, I think you're kind of setting yourself up for failure if that's where you're, where you're going to start. Um, so the best advice that I got was from Ed Brisson, which I think was, has been a guest on your podcast before. And that was to just start off with a short comic, a four, eight, ten-page comic. And that's exactly, that's exactly what I did. And, you know, the, the market for this is really just to put it out there for free, for me at least. I know that a lot of people put it up on Gumroad and try to sell it for a few bucks. But for me, I just wanted the most amount of people to see my writing and to see the art that, uh, that the artists I'm working with have produced. So for me, I put it up on my website and I also put it up on Twitter in a Twitter thread. That's been the best way for me to just uh, share my writing and, you know, try to bring it to other people. Does Kindle offer a means to publish? You can publish short stories, but can you publish short comics? I think on Comixology, you can probably upload a short comic. I personally haven't done that. I think that for those who have read or are going to read any of my short stories, I feel like it might run into some issues with, uh, with ratings. But yeah, I, I think you can just upload straight to Comixology if you want to. Is this a new method? surprised that I haven't heard a ton more about comic writers taking on this approach to try to pitch an idea or to get an idea out there that could maybe be picked up by a big publisher and developed from there. It's not a new idea. Um, it's, it's something that, uh, it's, it's a very DIY thing that has mostly stayed in those spaces, um, but obviously with social media, we're able to, uh, you know, to share it out um, and signal boost it further. But it's really something that, you know, got its start in at Zine Fest and small comic cons as just a way to showcase your abilities. Um, mostly it's, uh, it's been, you know, writer artists, just like one person teams that are doing this. But for me, as someone who has like no art skills whatsoever, <laughs> um, it's been a good way to connect with different artists and not so much commit to working with one artist 
uh, right from the beginning, but to be able to do these quick little stories and then just throw them up online to kind of just build up my uh, my presence on these platforms. But also, you know, these stories that, I, that I've written in short story form uh, as comics, they're not so much to be picked up by different publishers. They're more so to just stay in that form and to just show uh, these publishers when I do pitch them on longer form stories that, you know, that you're not just a new writer that has never done anything before. It shows them that they're not taking as big of a chance on you. And how do you come up with your ideas? I know you mentioned some of your themes earlier, but how do you decide, okay, I definitely want to move forward with this idea. Where do the ideas come from? Yeah, so, you know, I think like a lot of writers, we have a lot of ideas in our head at any given moment that we think could make a great story one day. Um, And they kind of just live there and you think about them and they just build and build until you know, they either run their course and you realize that it actually won't make that great of a story or the opposite and you realize that it's really the right thing for you to, to start tackling. But where they, where they really come from for me is, is mostly just um, what I've been thinking about and what I've been experiencing in the world. And each of my stories is a very specific feeling that I've had mostly, you know, in this post-2016 world. But, but obviously, you know, that I've experienced for most of my life as well. But it's, it, it mostly just revolves around something that I'm thinking about, something that, that I'm angry about, and then I find a way to tell a story and express it that way. And when you wrote your first comic in short form, where did you even begin trying to write it? What resources did you use? Or did you just try it out and learn that way? So I mostly just did a lot of research. You know, I've been a big fan of comics for my entire life, pretty much. Within the last uh, five years is when I kind of rediscovered it again as an adult and learned that there was this whole world outside of superhero comic books. And, uh, you know, I started following different creators on Twitter, started uh, reading articles that they had written on advice for new creators to start. I started reading comic book scripts that have been written by writers on larger series. And I kind of just started to dip my toes into what it would be like to actually write in this format. Most of my stories, when it comes to process, they all start out um, as the prose outline. And that's where I see if a story can actually work before I start scripting it out. Um, I'm a lot more of a planner when it comes to writing. I like to outline. I like to really think things through before I actually start writing. So I mostly start off with those prose outlines before I you know, start writing panel-by-panel scripts. And what do those prose outlines look like? How would you say they compare to the outline for a full-length comic? I would say it's the same thing, except uh, it's just shorter. So when I start thinking about uh, writing a short comic, I usually have in mind the amount of pages that I want to work with. But as I start working on the outline and I start figuring out what works and what doesn't work for my characters and my story, that's when I start realizing exactly how many pages it'll go to. Um, Because after I'm done writing my prose outline, I move into a page-by-page outline. And usually it's just bullet points, and it just says, on page one, I want this, this, and that to happen, so that I know by the end of my final page, if it's 10 pages, for example, where I'm going in the story. And it helps me, you know, kind of trim the fat decide what I want to spend more time on. And the comic book format is one where you can really spend a lot of time on these moments, where you can't really do that in 
you know, a novel. You can't just sit for two pages on, you know, the look that a character gets and the sweat dripping down their forehead where you can in a comic. So I, I do the, the prose outlines. And, uh, and like I said, the only difference between that and one of a graphic novel or a single issue story is just the length. And how long is one of those outlines? Would you say it's a page, a couple pages? I would say it's probably uh, no more than, than a couple paragraphs to a page. Okay. Because a lot of people who are familiar with uh, comic book writing know the terms Marvel style and full script. Right. I would say that these outlines are more so Marvel style, where I just write out exactly what is going to happen before I move into page-by-page outlines and then when I finally do the comic book script. So I kind of use both methods when I'm, when I'm going through this. So we've never talked about a page-by-page outline. What do those look like? Let's say you're outlining that first page. Are you thinking through what each panel is going to be, or do you not go so far as to assume what those are going to be prior to the artist coming in and taking it over? No, I'm definitely thinking about it, but that's more so something that I do when I get to the full script. But when we're doing the the page-by-page outlines, it's mostly just figuring out uh, what are we going to hit, what emotional beats, what moments are we going to hit in the story on this page. And a lot of times I'll finish the first draft of that and realize that I need to move things uh, into the page prior or the page after that I originally thought just to give it a, uh, you know, a good, um, a good pace on it. But once I get into the full script, that's when I'm really deciding how many panels. Um, and when you write in full script format, you are deciding exactly how many panels are going to go in the story. Um, you're deciding what's going to be in each panel and the dialogue. But a lot of times I also, I like to leave that open to the artists as well. I've worked with plenty of artists where I've said that this is a five panel page and they've said, um, you know what, I think we should add another panel here just to improve the pacing and to give this moment a little more breathing room. And it's usually the right choice. Tell us about the arcs for your characters. Is plotting the arcs for you know a short form comic similar to plotting, I don't know, a movie script or... The answer is yes and no. I think it depends. Um, on my first uh, short story, it was called Sincerely Agent Mejia. That is about one character. It's kind of a character study of a uh, Mexican-American ICE agent. And it starts with him you know, going about his daily life as an ICE agent, doing his job, and then slowly coming to terms with what he's doing and how it makes him feel. Um, and how uh, it makes him feel, you know, arresting people that look just like him, people who had the same journey that his family had. By the end of it, you see the character not being able to continue doing this work. And it takes a tragic turn at the end. But that is a story where um, you can say that the character does have a full arc. With two of my other stories, for example, uh, that's not really the case. You're more so seeing a snapshot of their life in this story. So it depends. You can use these stories as a way to tell, you know, full arcs the same way that you would in a screenplay or in a graphic novel. Or you can use them to show these quick snapshot moments that are exciting and that get people to keep reading, you know, your eight pages for however uh, long it is. Does the timing of this short form uh, version of a comic, how often is it that this story is a full story or as opposed to it's a piece of a greater comic. So let's say you were looking at a full-length comic. Is there a world where this would just be the first few pages of that? With what I've done so far, um, they've all just been independent, um, you know, open and shut stories. 
Um, there are other people who do those kinds of things where they are um, chapters, you know, kind of like a webcomic, um, but in serialized mini-comic form. There's people who will, you know, tell one story in one mini-comic and then tell another story in that same world as well that eventually tell this grander story overall. But for me, I've mostly focused on these just being, you know, open and shut stories uh, that exist in their own independent worlds and don't really have anything to do with each other. Tell us about the characters themselves. What kind of time do you spend thinking about the characters, who they are? I, I spend a lot of time on that. With all the writing that I do, um, I try to think about character first and the plot second. I try to think about who these people are, what about them is it that makes me want to tell their story, and what is it, what part of me am I putting in these characters. With almost every story that I've told, there's definitely a part of me in every single one of these characters, a part of my life, a part of my personality, and that's really what I think makes me want to tell these stories, and I think that's true for most writers as well. Um, I think what makes them want to tell stories about their characters is kind of what they put into them. But I do spend a lot of time thinking about what their story is going to be, if they're going to have an arc, whether it's going to be some sort of change arc or a flat arc where, you know, they stay the same, but their situations change. So that's really the first thing that, that I focus on before I even think about what situation to throw them into. What about balancing dialogue and action when you're writing the script itself? Would you say there's one or the other that you gravitate towards more? How do you find that balance? And is there an art to writing the dialogue? Yeah, I mean, I think with these short stories, um, I've found myself having to pull back on dialogue a lot. When you're writing these stories, you know, you're, depending on how many pages um, you want to use or you can afford to pay an artist for, you have limited real estate. And that's something that you can use to your advantage. And I've found myself um, really pulling back on dialogue in a lot of moments. Um, in my most recent short story, it starts off in the first couple of pages with pretty heavy dialogue to kind of set the scene and set the characters and figure out what's going on in this world. But once we kind of get to the action, it quickly kind of washes away. In my earlier work, I was finding myself, you know, in my first draft, looking at these pages and just seeing tons of dialogue in them. And my process has kind of been from the beginning to uh, write my scripts, send it to the artist, and then while the letterer is working on the letters, I'm constantly updating my dialogue. Um, so if the first draft comes back and I see that it's just way too much dialogue for the page, it doesn't just visually look the way that I want it to look, I might cut back or I might do the opposite as well. I found that in my earlier stories, I dealt with that a lot. I would get the first draft back from the letterer and there was just way too much dialogue on it. And that's been a way for me to really lean into finding ways to be more concise and to tell my stories in a way that's less wordy. Um, you know, you look back to a lot of early comics in the, you know, in the 50s and 60s and they're heavily wordy. It's very different to what readers expect today. So I try to find a balance between that. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. 
To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writer experience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favorite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favorite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favourite film will be next. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flicker and Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre, and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flicker and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. As far as the art, where do you go about finding an artist, and at what point do you bring them on board? I generally want to make sure that, especially in the beginning, uh, you want to make sure that you have all of your writing done before you start talking to an artist. A lot of these artists and the artists that, if you're a new comic book writer, might be working with are artists that you might find on Reddit or on Twitter. And these are people that are probably being contacted pretty often um, because they do post on these subreddits saying that they're available for work. So you want to make sure that they know that you're serious about your writing and that you're not just saying, I want X, Y, and Z to happen on a page. You want to make sure that you have your full scripts done. At this point in my writing career, I do have artists that I, you know, one of my earlier short stories um, was with an artist named Jacoby Salcedo, and we actually have a graphic novel that we're working on now, a full-length graphic novel. Um, So some of these artists are artists that I come back to and work with again, and some artists are people that I'm approached by. Um, But when you're starting off, at least, you definitely want to make sure you have your full script completely done before you start reaching out to people. And what does working with an artist look like? What's the back and forth? You said that you should have your script done before you approach them. But what's the communication look like? How do you communicate what you're hoping to get out of the script? Or does the script speak for itself? And then what does the back and forth look like between you and the artist as they kind of work on various drafts? Yeah, I think that the script should speak for itself. I don't think it's necessarily fair to have a script, give it to the artist, and then when the artist sends the page back to you, uh, you have all this feedback that was not included in your original script. Um, I think that there are certain things that you can tell the artist about what kind of tone, what kind of feeling and atmosphere you want the pages to have, Um, but your script should say everything that the artist needs to know. There's obviously going to be feedback that you can give the artist about you know, maybe the uh, quote-unquote camera angle of the action that you see on the page or little things like that. But you mostly want your script to the artist everything that they need to know to tell this story. On the editing side of things, oftentimes with a bigger book, you would be working with an editor. Is there an editor involved in this medium? And what does it look like if you're doing it yourself? I'm assuming the editing of the script happens before you submit it to the artist. What would the editor's role be once the artist gets involved? So with my short stories, uh, there hasn't been an editor involved. Um, With other projects I'm working on now, there is an editor, and it almost makes me wish that I had an editor in my early books just because of how much they're able to contribute to the project. 
And there's definitely a space for editors in uh, mini comics and short fiction comics. Um, you definitely do see it, but a lot of times, you know, it's a tool for people to use when they're starting off to learn how to write comics. So a lot of times there is not an editor involved. Though, like I said, I, you know, my experience with working with editors now makes me wish that I did have one at that time. Um, but definitely it's something that you do before uh, the artist is involved. But then when the artist is involved and the editing is completely done on the script, uh, an editor is also useful to help uh, guide the artist and give feedback as well. You might, as a writer, have your own feedback on the script, but uh, an editor might have a lot more experience and be able to contribute their ideas as well uh, to the artist. So it's definitely useful in this space. When you are working with that artist and the artist kind of finishes what they're doing, there's inking, there's coloring. At what point do you know when that phase should begin? Do you find other artists to do those steps? Does the artist you're working with sometimes take on those roles? How do you handle uh, those phases? You know, every situation is different. Um, with my uh, short comics, I've mostly stuck to just having inks and um, tones. So if you're someone who's familiar with the Walking Dead comic, that's what I'm referring to. So it's not exactly... Uh, it's definitely not a color comic, but it's not exactly just white pages and black ink. Um, there's grayscale tones that kind of add depth to it and, uh, you know, make it look better than just being a black and white comic. Um, but when you are working with a colorist, um, sometimes it'll be the same artist that does your pencils and inks. Sometimes it'll be another collaborator. On one of the projects that I'm working on now, we're kind of doing both, uh, both pieces simultaneously. So my artist, she'll give me a few pages of completed inks, and I'll pass those pages on to the colorer, and uh, he'll work on that while she continues to do inks on new pages. Um, so it's kind of a, a rolling system that we have on that project so that uh, we can kind of finish it as soon as possible, and we don't wait for the inks to come in before we, he starts coloring any of the pages. So it totally depends, and there's so many different ways to do it. Um, but it really just depends on you and the creative team that you're working with. What about the cover? Do you have the same artist work on the cover? Do you find a new artist? I know oftentimes in comics, sometimes a different artist does the cover. What has your experience been? So with these short comics that I've done and um, really just posted online, I've had a cover for every single one. I definitely think that's important. And those have all been by the same artist that did the art on the corresponding comic. Um, but for other projects, um, like you said, sometimes uh, I have a different cover artist. Um, and that's been for some of my longer form projects. Um, just because it sets a tone. And, um, and really, when you're working with longer form projects, uh, it's really about time. You know, um, writing comics definitely takes time, but drawing comics takes so much longer. Um, so a lot of times, that's really why you're using a different artist to do the covers to save time. What about the publishing side of things? I know we talked about it briefly earlier, but it might be worth revisiting now that we have a little bit more context. Once you finish the book and you're happy with it, how do you make that decision to, you know, whether it's publishing on your website or Twitter or... For me, at least, the intention has always been there from the beginning when I'm crafting the story. Um, so when I, when I get ideas for stories, I pretty much from the start know what kind of uh, format it's going to be in. Um, I mostly know if it's going to be a short comic that I just put up online for free, um, or if it's going to be a miniseries that I pitch to a publisher, or a graphic novel that I pitch to a publisher. Um, so right from the beginning, uh, for me at least, uh, I know what it's going to be, 
and uh, and these short comics that we're talking about, there really isn't uh, a market for it when it comes to publishing other than self-publishing, uh, maybe printing it out on zines and selling it at, uh, you know, comic cons and small conventions. And before we move into some bonus questions, what's next for you? Obviously, we hinted earlier that you have a couple books. What can you say? So uh, I have uh, two projects uh, specifically that uh, currently are attached to publishers, which uh, I can't 100% talk about yet because they are they haven't been announced yet. Um, but one of them is going to be a five issue miniseries um, that'll be released um, by a publisher um, that's a creator on comic. Um, and the other project that I have, which is ways away, it'll be announced soon, but. Um, it won't be out until 2023, I think, um, is a 200-page uh, graphic novel by a book publisher, which I'm really excited about. Um, and it's with the artist that I did um, one of my first short stories with, The Price of Freedom. And really, I think it's kind of um, a testament to the power of these, doing these short stories and working with different artists um, and kind of gaining that confidence and also building a name for yourself as a writer, um, so that these publishers don't feel like they're just taking a chance on uh, somebody who's never written a comic before. What is your end goal? Where do you want to be in you know, five years or so? What are the, you know, the long-term goals for you? That's kind of a tough question, but um, I will say that it's mostly to just be able to tell the stories that I want to tell. Um, you know, a lot of comic book writers, um, you know, they go into this wanting to write Spider-Man or Batman or Superman. Um, and, you know, there's definitely big two comic properties that I'd love to, to write. Um, but for me, I mostly just want to tell these original stories that I've created on my own and with my uh, artist partners um, and just tell these stories that I feel like are not being represented enough. Um, I just don't think that we have enough stories by people like myself, by um, Latinx people. And I want to be, you know, a writer that kind of puts those experiences out there for readers to see. One more question before we get into the bonus questions. What's the future for mini comics and short fiction comics? Do you see a rise in this uh, type of work or do you think it'll continue kind of as is? There's definitely a rise in anthologies, um, which is something that uh, we actually didn't mention in our conversation yet. Um, but uh, that's a great way for new writers to also um, start writing comics. So I definitely see, you know, anthologies becoming a bigger presence in comics. Um, but I would love to see um, larger publishers, you know, put out their own anthologies that are um, not just Kickstarter-based anthologies that can really highlight new writers. Um, you do see big two companies like DC putting out um, these big specials on specific characters where they tell short stories about that character. Um, so, you know, I'd love to see more of that. Um, but, you know, I, like I've said a few times already, I really think that this is, if you're somebody who is a new writer and wants to explore what it might be like to write comics, this is really the best space to do it in. Julio, are you ready for what we call a series of seemingly random questions? I'm ready. First question, for those writers who are listening right now, who are in their homes, maybe feeling restless, maybe having trouble focusing, trying to write from their homes, how would you suggest that they combat writer's block? Obviously, you're a very productive person. You've been able to write a lot. What would you say? 
I know that a lot of people like to say that uh, writer's block doesn't exist, and I like to tell myself that writer's block doesn't exist also when I'm experiencing those moments of writer's block. Um, but you know, for me, it's really to just write. I know that that sounds uh, like overly simple, but it's just to write, just put stuff on the page, even if it's garbage, even if you consider it to be garbage. Um, just get things out. Writing is really a muscle. That's what I've found for myself at least. And the more that you do it, the more confident and comfortable you feel with it. Um, so if you're dealing with writer's block or you're somebody that's just been thinking about writing for a long time, I know that I do this a lot too. Um, I just think about the things that I want to write. You gotta just put pen to paper, just start doing it and know that your first draft might be trash. Um, but that's okay because nobody else has to see that. The next question is similar. What motivates you every morning to uh, keep writing? I think for me, it's, um, it's the fact that I've grown up not seeing people like myself in uh, much media, whether it's TV or comics or books, um, and just wanting to be a force of change in that. Um, and there's a lot of writers uh, trying to do that right now as well. But, you know, the more of us that uh, keep writing and keep uh, pitching publishers on stories that have to do with our identity, I think, uh, I think the best. I think that'll be the best. Next question. If you could suggest a question that we ask one of our next guests, what would you ask and why? I'd love to know um, from the next guest what are some uh, mistakes that they made early in their writing career. Um, and what they've learned since then that they would uh, that they would advise new writers to to use. My next question is: What are some mistakes that you made earlier on in your writing career that you would like to uh, suggest other writers not make? You know, kind of to what I spoke to earlier, which is um, you know I spent a lot of time just doing tons of research on what the quote-unquote best way to script a comic book is and um, how to, uh, to quote-unquote break into comics. Um, you just got to write. You can't spend so much time uh, thinking about those things and worrying about those things. Um, I know it's part of my personality to really dig in and really research things and wanting to feel confident in that before I actually do something. Um, but you really just got to start writing. Um, there's no specific way to write a comic book script. Almost every writer does it differently. Um, the most important thing is just to write and then worry about the minutiae later. Next question, is there a short form comic that inspired you to write in that format? Is there one you would suggest to those listening? And also, is there a long form comic that you've recently read that you would uh, suggest that our listeners read? So there's a short comic called The Scar by a writer named Andrea Ferreiras. Um, and uh, it's just, a, it's a comic about um, the, the fences that are put up on the south, uh, the southern border in the U.S. and different stories that take place around that fence. Um, and it was one that really impacted me um, and one that kind of showed me the power of short comics. Um, and this actually is one that uh, was published, I, I believe, by Fanographics. Um, but it's a it's a great uh, it's a great little mini comic that I, I suggest anybody read. And then you asked about a long form one as well. Yeah, I have really been enjoying lately um, Tilly Walton's books. Um, 
she uh, she does these great um, graphic novels. One of them is called On a Sunbeam that I really love. Um, and another one is uh, kind of a memoir um, called Spinning about her um, life as a figure skater, as like a teenage figure skater. Um, and those are those are two graphic novels that I really loved and that really, you know, kind of showed me the, you know, the power of long form um, graphic novels and how you can really just give uh, moments space to breathe on the page. Um, and she she does really amazing work. The next question, if you could take any writer to any fast food restaurant, which writer would you choose or which restaurant and why? I think that uh, I would probably say uh, Malcolm X. Um, he is uh, he's somebody who's a pretty big inspiration in, um, in my writing. And one of my uh, short stories is called The Price of Freedom. And that's actually, um, you know, a snippet of a, of a quote of his. Um, and I'd probably take him to, uh, there's this place in New York that I really love. There's a, there's a bunch of them. Um, it's called Chirping Chicken. Um, and, uh, I love that place. Um, and, you know, I, I think that my, my writing, uh, tends to usually come from, you know, a place of anger a lot of times. Um, and I think he'd be able to offer me a lot of real, you know, actionable solutions. Next question. How would you suggest writers who after listening to this episode go out and write a mini comic how would you suggest they leverage the comic to get to a place where you're at where you've written some of these mini comics and you're now at a place where you're working with big publishers to get longer form content out how do they take what they've made a shorter form comic and really take their careers to the next level i would say make it as free and available as you can um so for me, that was uh, just making a personal website, putting it up there, and really using Twitter as a way to promote the comic. So um, I literally created a Twitter thread where every tweet had two pages of the comic on it. Um, so somebody can literally just scroll through Twitter and read it right there on that platform without being redirected to you know any other place. Um, and really, you know, the comics community on Twitter is amazing. Um, there's so many people, so many uh, people who are working professionals in comics that are just willing to uh, retweet things for you and talk to you and give you advice. I've personally uh, befriended so many of them, and that's a huge part of what uh, has brought me to the place that I currently am in comics. Um, so, you know, I think even before you start posting your comics, just get involved in the comics community on Twitter. Just start talking to people, get into conversations, um, make friends so that when you do have your comic ready, uh, you do have people who are willing to, you know, champion it and signal boost it for you and retweet it. What is one piece of advice or learning from your career that you'd like to pass along to those writers who are listening right now? I would say um, have something to say, have a perspective. Um, one of my pet peeves is, you know, kind of the incredible amount of shallow art that there is out there, whether it's, you know, movies that have nothing to say or books that have nothing to say. Um, so I would say, you know, don't be precious, but write something that matters. Did you want to plug anything in particular, whether that's your website, your Twitter handle, any of the mini comics you've made in the past? Yeah, definitely. Um, my uh, handle on Twitter and Instagram is Julio Anta. 
Um, that's J-U-L-I-O-A-N-T-A. Um, it's also my website, julioanta.com. And on my website, like I said, you can read uh, some short comics there. Um, and uh, you can sign up for my newsletter, so you can just be notified of um, whenever I have new projects being announced or available. Um, so yeah, at either of those places. Well, thank you, Julio. We appreciate you coming onto the show today. We had a lot of fun, and obviously we're very excited about the projects that you have in store for you that you can't talk about. When you are able to talk about them, please let us know. And you are obviously open door here for Julio Anta on this show. With that being said, thank you, man. We had a lot of fun. No, thank you. I really enjoyed it. It's, uh, it was nice to talk to you, get my mind off of uh, coronavirus and uh, everything that's been going on over here. So I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Julio. And thank you to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.